So, Neil, we, we had a conversation while you were away from us that uh, all of this additional time was allowing you to appropriately prepare your British accent. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, it just occurred to me that your last name is Dalton, so you should sound like James Bond. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet I scared the living daylights out of her. You know. I, I just want to say that being able to reference the Timothy Dalton has gone completely whenever I tell people my name, I go Timothy Dalton or the bookstore or the and no one knows anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. probably need some twenty first century references, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you, I, I've been neck deep in data all week up at work, and and so all I've done is just listen to podcasts all day with the door shut. Not that was probably a poor choice of words, given this is a Star Trek podcast. Now that I think about it, yeah. <laughs> 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 Welcome to another very exciting episode of our Starship Aegean Star Trek-themed podcast. I'm Aaron, your Game Master. Uh, this is Dan, and I'm playing Sobke Krex, Gorn Engineer. This is James, and I'm playing Bapa Balloon, Bajoran Science Officer. This is Scott, I'm playing Captain Eno Tavan. And this is Neil, and I'm playing Dr. Adrian Ballard, Chief Medical Officer. And uh, and shouldn't you yeah, have said that with a British accent? <laughs> I, Cheers. I, I, Cheers, I Governor. Go where, I'll go wear the hubcap of shame and do better <laughs> next time. <laughs> so we have had a tremendous amount of conversation in the time since the last time we recorded uh, via email and about characters and, and what we're working on mm-hmm. here. And uh, a, a startling development has occurred. In the days since we recorded last time, Scott, did you want to talk to them about the uh, profound change that has happened to your character? Uh, yeah, yeah, gender swap. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, the the concern was that um, it would be confusing for the listener if I am playing a female character with a decidedly male voice, and so um, I thought about my character. And nothing uh, integral to my character is tied to gender or sex. And so I thought, well, I can make this character male just as well, and then it wouldn't be so confusing. So this doesn't have anything to do with perhaps some uh, gender confusion you might experience on your own. Just just, You're trying to be friendly to the listener. Exactly, exactly. Any gender confusion I have would not show up on my character, thanks. (laughs) Now, Now, Scott... Scott, when you go to Trek conventions, do you cosplay as a female Vulcan? Uh, no, I've not cosplayed. Uh, <laughs> if I went yes. to a Trek convention, I might go in the little engineering skirt. Nice. Oh. Nice. Mm-hmm. First season, next gen. I believe those were called yep. scants, yep. according to scants. Uh, scants. Yes, which sounds so rude. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I feel like I learned something new every I've seen, episode. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen you in short pants, Scott. You got the calves mm-hmm. to carry that off. You can make that work. Yeah, yeah, calves, not the butt, but the calves. <laughs> oh yeah, but you, you you're well, working those calves. 
You won't be able to see his calves though, because he'll be wearing those knee-high boots. So, and I have the pictures to prove Scott's a hairy bastard. So, uh, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Quilted. <laughs> don't ask how you got. Don't ask how you got those pictures and why Scott's eyes are closed. <laughs> and then he's sleeping, and that they're taken with, uh, you know, a uh, a nighttime camera. <laughs> a, a, a <laughs> It's all green. Yeah, what's up with that? This is all very Silence of the Lambs. Aaron, Thanks, Aaron. You could you could at least you could at least take the pill bottle out of the picture when you take a, when you take a, just get it out of the frame. So, oh lordy, <laughs> come, on, come on, James. What happens at ManCon stays at ManCon. <laughs> That's true. That's correct. That's you correct. stay in this room, Scott. <laughs> Don't worry about the extra door. That's right. That's right. <sighs> All right. Well, um, so each of you had homework uh, while we were away, and uh, one of the things that we want to that we want to start the, this episode off with is talking about the way our characters uh, might interrelate with each other, as well as what our characters have been doing in the years leading up to uh, the start of our game. Keep in mind that our game starts in the time after the events of Star Trek Nemesis. Um, a, a major event in Federation space occurred five years prior to Star Trek Nemesis, and that was the conclusion of the Dominion War. So, you know, we, we do have some, some rather tentpole moments that our characters uh, would have experienced. So uh, we'll go around the table, and this time, uh, last time we went around, we, I think we started off with Dan each round. We're going to start off with Neil today. So, oh. Neil... <laughs> was was that a oh lord? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yes, yes, so it Neil, was. T- t- talk to us about your character's background. Uh, re- refresh our our memory as to who your guy is, what he, you know, what we know about him so far, and then talk to us about uh, what he, you know, where he was during the events of the Dominion War, and perhaps other events since then. Well, uh, Adrian Ballard was born in England on Earth. And uh, he sort of went a little bit the McCoy route, as we talked about last time, where he actually became a doctor and then later on joined Starfleet. Uh, and in the time during the Dominion War, he was actually uh, – he while he was not engaged in combat since he was a medical doctor, he saw many of his uh, crewmates and friends either injured or died. Some died on the table while he was trying to save them. Uh, and going into some of the stuff that I read on the Dominion War, uh, he was one of 17 crew members to survive the destruction of the USS Honshu uh, during the Dominion War. So that's sort of – he served his time being a medical officer. So combat veteran. Uh, did, the, did the war change him in any profound way other than just you know war as hell? Uh, does he have a different, a different perspective on uh... – on you know the purpose of Starfleet, the role of Starfleet, uh, he sort of covers up, you know, not necessarily with bravado, but more with humor. Uh, his you know his experiences or how it's changed him, uh, but he still has you know nightmares about some of the things, particularly the destruction of the Honshu. Okay, uh, well, going to some of the other background questions, like uh, he continues to communicate with his mother and father as well as he has a sister and and her family back home during his career in Starfleet he was married to an, another Starfleet officer uh, 
and he continues to have cordial but strained uh, communications with her. Are they estranged or divorced? Divorced. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of the, you know, he does have friends on the ship. You know, I, again, I'm not sure how long we've all been together as far as, uh, you know, as far as the crew, sure. uh, but uh, a couple of the friends independent of the bridge crew have been, uh, Alice Benson, who's uh, in stellar cartography and then, uh, and, uh, Kalos Nealon, who is a beta, beta Z helmsman. Okay, and we'll come back to the question of how long you guys have served together in just a little bit. But uh, that, that was that was that was good background. Anything else before I move on to the next? Well, uh, going on to uh, favorite holodeck programs, pretty yes, much sir. the ones that he programs himself. Uh, and you know, again, going back to what we talked about before, he enjoys tinkering with the EMH. Uh, and so his interest in the holograms is more in- involved in creating the people the characters as opposed to the actual scenarios. Uh, James. So Daffa Falloon was, uh, on car, uh, was on Bajor during the, uh, Cardassian, uh, occupancy and escaped when that ended, got away as fast as he could, went to Starfleet, um, Got his education as a science officer, particularly focusing on wormholes, because he does not believe in the prophets. Um, he had been trained somewhat on Bajor before. Uh, the Cardassians found him useful. Uh, he, you know, was intelligent. Um, as far as the Dominion War, um, he was on the USS Leeds, which is a Nebula-class starship that actually appears in the opening sequence of DS9. Um, it's the Nebula class that's docking there. Um, so when the Dominion War started, he was uh, in the Bajor system studying the wormhole. Um, and as they were setting up the self-replicating mines, which, by the way, is seems like the greatest bit of sort of real but completely ridiculous sci-fi I've ever heard of. I mean... <laughs> Where does the energy come from? Where does the matter come from? You know, Star Trek is semi-hard science, but stuff like self-replicating minds reminds you that it's not entirely. Um, so anyway, they were there helping set up that minefield, but they were also researching the, um, the wormhole. And when the Dominion came through, um, they, the captain and... Uh, Daffa came up with a plan uh, because Daffa thought he could collapse the wormhole, wormhole. Um, but the captain kind of dithered around for too long, and uh, by the time he went to do it, uh, it was it was sealed off. Uh, but he had also dithered around too long to really get away in time, um, so they took a couple of hits uh, to their warp core. They escaped but weren't able to get very far, and some Dominion ships followed them. And uh, they were, they managed to take out the Dominion ships, but not before they were boarded by Jim Hadar. Um, and it was probably going to get end up being everybody wiped out, but Daffa was able to um, send out a pulse through some of the powerful sensors on the leads uh, that. Um, basically really amped up the tranquilizing qualities of the Ketracel White and knocked all the Jim Hadar out. 
Um, but before he did that, the captain, the XO, and basically everybody down to his rank was killed during the boarding action. Um, so he had to take over. He got the ship back up and running um, because the warp core had been damaged. The deflector shields had been damaged. Um, so he got it back up and running and basically limped them back to the nearest station. Um, and then, you know, because the war was so fierce, they repaired the leads. They got a new captain. He was, uh, you know, basically because of his field promotion up to captain for a time, he was made XO of the leads um, until uh, the end of the war. And, the, and it served as a... Um, Tactical, uh, a tactical reconnaissance ship and a analysis ship, um, sort of like an AWACS. Um, so he was there for most of the major battles of the Dominion War with the with the larger fleets, not the one where everything but the Han ship, where everything except for one ship got destroyed, but um, most of the rest of them he was there, um, and they were kind of in the background, um, you know, analyzing things and sending out data to the to the admirals. Does uh, does your experience in the war is it something that would have been something your character would have embraced, or is it something that rubs against what your character would have wanted? Uh, it rubs against what he would have wanted. Um, he's not bloodthirsty by any means, uh, but he kind of sees it as uh, he not a necessary evil, but he does know that. Some it, he sees war as a necessary evil because there are evils in the world. He wouldn't put it that way because you know he's not he he's a scientist, so good and evil is not really a concept he's necessarily he necessarily supports. Um, but he would say there are people in the universe who do bad things or things that are bad for our people, um, and sometimes the only way to sometimes the only way to stop them is through violence. Some problems like you can't to. solve with a phaser, phaser and some problems you can't solve without one. Got it. Does uh, Dafa have family at home that uh, he stays in contact with? He doesn't have family back home, but he does have a couple of a couple of friends from the occupation that he's in touch with. Um, and then he's got, he's got some people scattered throughout Starfleet from when he was, you know, at the, at the Academy that he stays in touch with. Is Dafa a fan? I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was about to say I was not a good enough player to come up with names for them. That's fine. Because I'm terrible at names, but yes. there you go. That's fine. I'll just, you know, Petey sent you a note. That's what you're going to get in the oh. middle of the game. Yeah, that, that's a traditional Bajoran name, Petey. Yeah, Petey, um, yeah. <laughs> um, is is uh, Dafa a fan of the holodeck? Uh, no, not a big fan um what he usually uses it for well he's he's got a few a few uses for it um the first is he uses it to test stuff that even he thinks is too crazy to test in the real world so he'll do uh like theoretical tests of some of the things that he's trying or that he comes up with um he also has a certain amount of nostalgia for bajor before the occupation um, and he um, has a holodeck program that is the Museum of Natural History from Bajor from before the occupation that he visits. 
Um, so sort of an archive quality uh, representation. So, you know, you are there sort of a – Right, sort of exactly. Yeah, gotcha. Right, right. And the nice thing is because it's on the holodeck, you can touch the exhibits. Right. <laughs> no, I, I had a question. The, the docent isn't going to come by and fuss at you. Please don't thump right. the art. You know, yeah. That's right. Question. Uh, I, I, I had a question because yes. uh, initially you were uh, sort of portraying him or mentioned that he was irresponsible as heck. Yeah, uh, and would set up a wormhole generator and forget to turn it off. Has the Dominion War changed that? No. If anything, it probably helps. So with the with the with the the Ketrasel White incident, um, he wasn't sure it was going to work, and part of the reason why it didn't become part of like Starfleet strategy and protocol is that um, the pulse. The reason why their deflector shields was damaged was because of, of the pulse that he sent out. Um, and also, if you did it too much, it would uh, injure, it would <laughs> cause long-lasting effects on the crew members. Um, but it worked when he needed it. Um, so he's not, he, he always weighs risk versus reward, but the weight that he puts on risk and reward is different than a lot of people. Other questions for James? And I apologize. I asked questions of Neil, but I didn't give you guys the oppor- opportunity to do that. Did you guys have any questions for Neil? And that's mo- most likely a function of that, that uh, you know, they have forgotten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. who's, who's, what's Neil playing again? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you, you'll remember who's by Neil? His, by his convincing <laughs> British accent. Hit him with that British accent. Neil was right. the late one. Neil was the one to the party. <laughs> the, late one. the late one. Press the, so, press the Firefly button so we can hear you, Neil. <laughs> so, I, I don't have questions for, for Neil, but uh-huh. you guys know how in all good uh, sci-fi stories there's somebody who doesn't know what's going on. Like they're getting introduced to it so the narrator, so the narrator can use it as a – way of explaining it to the readers yeah sure of course so i'm that person for star trek in this group uh-huh. so i got i've got a couple of questions sure so first well i've got three questions actually so first uh the i'm correct in knowing what an exo is right so the exo is the first officer correct correct the executive officer correct so Number the second one. in command okay yes. yeah that's what i thought so first officer sure second that. command that's always confused me but yes yes yeah. <laughs> um so then, do what are the ranks on the ship? Like, I know it's captain. And there's you'll several have captain, grades of commander. Yeah, you'll have captain, commander, lieutenant, commander, uh, lieutenant, senior grade, lieutenant, junior grade, and then you'll have the enlisted ranks. Okay, and they're called seamen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, crewman <laughs> is a term. <laughs> uh, crewman. Uh, What's the name? Like, like Miles O'Brien was a uh, enlisted man, and he was yeah. a chief, chief of oper. You know, he wasn't okay. chief of operations, but he was an operations in the operations department. So, right. Uh, so he was like a non commissioned officer. Yeah. And, sort of. and I will say, I, I I've always found that Star that uh, Star Trek has always been really weird about their enlisted ranks. Uh, the the officer ranks always seem very clear, but the enlisted ranks are always a little dodgy, in my opinion. Yeah, well, because those guys usually die about 15 minutes after hitting the planet, so well, yeah. yeah, there's no point in promoting uh, those guys to lieutenants, you know. That's right. Or ensigns, right. for that matter. 
So um, along, along, along those lines, can I just say, okay, so I my character's rank would be a commander, but since he's in charge of the ship, he gets called captain, right? And Daffa would be also a commander and gets called number one or first officer. And then... Well, I don't know why we, why uh, your character wouldn't be captain. Yeah, yeah. I thought the commander was like the official rank, and captain was the title of the guy running the ship. Co- commander, there, you know, you know. are in command of the ship, right? But your uh-huh. your 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 rank is captain, as well okay. as your function as captain. So you know, your your uh, you know, Tavon is it Taval? What's the name? Tavon. Tavon. Uh, Tavon would be Captain Tavon, with, a, okay. with captain's rank insignia. And the chief engineer and the chief medical officer would be what? Well, so there's there's no rule on the ranks beyond that. So in the size of the ship really uh, dictates kind of the, the, the breadth and scope and the experience of the crew. So your XO on this ship would hold the rank of commander. Your mm-hmm. your next line, you know, your chief of operations would uh, would either be a lieutenant commander or a lieutenant senior grade. Similar with your chief of uh, of uh, engineering would either be a lieutenant commander or a lieutenant senior grade. Okay. Does that help? Sort of. Okay. It, it, it will be just like star Trek. It's going to be as clear as mud. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be, is it going to be plot driven ranks? It will be plot driven ranks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what, what rank is this guy? What rank does he need to be? That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Did we answer all three of your Do questions? We need it? Does he have, have, have underlings today? Yeah, exactly. I have one. Well, I have two more actually. Okay. I think I. So, I think I've done number some two. There. Uh, okay. So, did we decide that the that families are on the Aegean, or is it a non-family ship? This is a non-family yeah. ship, unless you want to choose okay. to convince me otherwise. But my initial response is well, that I, this would be a traditional starship. Uh, absent any families, but I am willing to be convinced otherwise. I, I thought about it because I thought it'd be interesting if if Nava had a family on board. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, what kind of lunatic would take their family on a starship on a on a Federation vessel that's doing any of the things that happen that uh, are interesting <laughs> that happen on a Federation vessel? <laughs> that's so, right. Pick, that's Picard right. agrees with you. Yeah, I mean, I mean the first the first thing the first thing that would happen every time we ran into somebody is that Daffa would flee the bridge to go protect his family. Um, so, uh, so that's uh, I don't know. Second, well, next to last question. Well, my last question is: Are the are the nacelles just engines, or is there engineering stuff in there too? Well, I mean, yeah, beyond the stuff to to take care of the of the engines. There's there's certainly uh, you know uh, Jeffrey's tubes and you right. know, ser- servicing areas and whatnot, yeah. but you don't generally keep staff in there. Okay, so so when they're doing the when they're showing Jordy or Scotty or whoever, uh, they're not in the nacelles; they're in the engineering no. section that connects Correct. the nacelles. Correct. And yeah, it would be a rare thing to go up into the nacelles themselves. Okay. Uh, the tech aspect of- is the place where I'm excelling. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, so there you go. Uh, so there's 33 decks. Can you name what all the decks do while we're at it there? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Hold on, I'm gonna drop James from the call. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, Scott, you you may be happy to know that the autocorrect on my phone when I type in your name puts your autocorrects to your real name. By the way. Okay. (laughs) I just I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. Uh, that was uh, did, that was my last the... that was my last question. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. Um, Dan, have we talked to you yet? I don't think we have. Nope. Hit it. Uh, all right. Well, I'm thinking that um, Subkey would have. He's been in Starfleet for a little while. I was thinking about having him actually be you know, a member of the fleet um, whenever the Borg were an issue for next-gen timeline. So that would have been his, you know, potential contacts where he might have encountered Borg um, since he's got kind of that axe to grind. Um, I'm not real sure exactly what he did during the Dominion War itself. Uh it would be easy enough just to put him on one of the ships that, you know, had the crap kicked out of it. Well, you know, instead of maybe maybe he's not a uh, – maybe he was never on the line. Maybe he was working one of the shipyards. Yeah, that would make sense. They had a lot of repair stuff that had to be done. So, yeah, yeah. that would or actually make a lot of sense that he'd be – Yeah, or even doing repairs on the lines. You know, my, my uh, grandfather – Worked. He uh, repaired planes in the uh, mm-hmm. African theater during World War II, and so while you know he wasn't he wasn't fighting on the front lines, he was supporting the front lines and still saw a lot of action. But he wasn't you know running into yeah. battle with a gun in his hand. Okay, you know I so like maybe that. that's maybe that's something you know he was he was at one of the star bases or in one of the forward positions supporting the the, the engineering efforts. Yeah. And somebody as big as a Gorn is kind of useful to have at that kind of position. That right, we need this big thing moved fast. Hey, right, <laughs> come yeah. pick this up. We don't have time for the mag, love. Get the Gorn to move it. <laughs> yep. So I like that. Okay. Um, so Jack, Jack, not name Jack Job. <laughs> no, no Muppets fans. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> it's been a long time for me, so it, it, I love I love me some Muppets, but it's been a long while. So you know, we had talked uh, last time uh, about your your Gorn character and and that and about extended family, right? Uh, and not having like a traditional brother and sister, but more like clutch mates, you know, uh, yeah. folks that were all hatched around the same time. Um, so, does he keep in contact with his clutchmates? I think so. You know, it would be kind of a casual thing of um, maybe Gorn traditional holidays or uh, special anniversaries, that sort of thing. Um, probably not like daily or weekly communication, but I'm thinking that, yeah, there would be still open communication lines there, just not super frequent. Excellent. Um, have you given any thought to, and I, I know this wasn't on your homework, but just any thought to 
uh, do you have any clutch mates of notoriety? You know, are they in Starfleet as are any of them in Starfleet as well? Or are they doing something back in, 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 in the, in the Gorn home worlds? You know, anything, anything of note there? I was thinking maybe it would be more of a traditional Gorn lifestyle, even if, you know, somebody else in that grouping was interested in tech stuff. They might be more stick to home. Mm-hmm. I'm, we, we should probably at some point have a conversation about wh- how we want to approach the Gorn society. Either I just present you with what I create from all the stuff online. See, I love it when you guys create your own homework. Uh, yeah, th- this, <laughs> this, is, this is your new assignment, Dan. I want you for the next okay. time we come together to present to us Gorn 101. Yeah, Dan, okay. can, you, can you help us return to traditional Gorn values here? <laughs> we're going to make Gorn great again, is what we're going to do. It never stopped being great. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have to talk like that through the entire campaign. Uh, oh, I was God, actually God, expecting God. that was going to be, yeah, that was going to be his. Uh, could, you, could, you throw could... Br- could you throw a British accent on that? <laughs> He's a British Gorn. He's a British Gorn. I... I <laughs> I am no good at accents. I don't. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I heard it was yeah. horrible. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, it it didn't come through well. It, it I've got a uh, voice changer program, so oh, okay, well, I can do all sorts of, of stuff. Part of that was just terrible. So, so okay. oh dear. <laughs> then I will not do that. Well, the the part we heard was just terrible. Um, so, uh, you know, you're going okay, the non audible part was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, so, yeah, plenty of throat so is yeah. your, uh, is your Gorn a fan of the holodeck? I'm thinking so, you know, he, he's a techie. And so playing with the tech of it, you know, Hey, I've got an idea. I might be able to, you know, tweak this efficiency of that emitter and that sort of thing. And um, I'm thinking that his, one of his favorite uh, programs for recreation might be a bowling alley. Mm-hmm. He likes to bowl. Right, right. Very nice. I imagine yep. he's an awesome bowler. Tell me what his uh, what his bowling shoes might look like. Oh, they're uh, they're kind. They've got the proper soles, but they're more like sandals because Gorn feet are so damn big. Uh huh. So they more or less he stands on them and then straps them on the, uh, for the top, so kind of like uh, maybe like gladiator sandals or something. There. there. Mm-hmm. So you know, part of the fun about going to the bowling alley is ordering refreshments. What sort of refreshments does he order? <sighs> Let's see. I'm not sure yet. Okay, well, something to, to noodle on for when we uh, yeah. have your your bowling alley program running. Um, questions, questions for Dan. All right, hearing none, Scotty, you're up. Tell us, tell us about Tavon. All right, so the two review Tavon is uh, Vulcan male, and I'm kind of trying to play around with the how much variation there is in the Vulcan monoculture by trying to have him uh, pointing out the conflict between tradition and logic. Um, more specifically, toward the question, uh, 
Um, his, I tried to make uh, the history that I made has a lot of moving parts, and that's on purpose because I wanted to give a lot that you could grab onto and, and manipulate. Um, his background before he became a captain was as security, and so I kind of thought that the Dominion War would be, you know, life changing for him and a big deal. Um, I went back and watched a couple of episodes of DS9 that dealt with the Dominion War, and essentially, they just inspired me to work him right into the story. Um, the first major thing that he did was that um, uh, there's a point where there was um, manipulation on the part of Cisco and who's the guy? Garrick. Oh, Admiral. Uh, well, yeah, no. Garrick. 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 He's, he's there on yeah. the station. He's a yes. Cardassian. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a great little story where they, uh, they they try to do some manipulation and it ends up getting kind of ugly, but it convinces the Romulans to join the war. The episode so, is In the Pale Moonlight of Deep Space Nine. Thank you. Um, and I decided that Devon was involved right after that. Okay? Because what's the next thing that's going to happen is that uh, the ones are going to want to talk and get assurances before they get involved that we're not going to attack the Federation's not going to attack their rear. So Devon was involved in that negotiation. Um, a uh, delegation was sent to Romulus to reassure them. And there was a little kind of a secret subdelegation. The, the reassurance came in the form of, we're going to share our information about the dominion. The secret sub group was sharing much more information about the Dominion and actually information about the Federation. The idea being that we're going to show you such trust that you know that we're not going to attack your rear because we know that you know where we're vulnerable, right? And that gives the Romulans the uh, confidence they need to really go all in and not try to you know keep a defensive force on the backside. So he was part of that, which immediately puts him in doing clandestine stuff. Um, from there, he was assigned as head of security for the USS Veracruz, Vera um, where he proved himself to be adept at combat and a, and a good tactician. Um, he ended up seeing some face-to-face -face combat uh, because another episode that I watched had uh, Cisco's crew helping to defend AR-8558, um, which is um, – uh, kind of a base with a uh, communications array that they have to defend against Jim Hadar. And it's a brutal little episode about how very wearying it is to continually be at war. At the very end of it, you see the Veracruz land and the relief forces come. And the, the first guy that walked through this across the screen, I was like, that looks just like what's in my head for my character. So he spent a month on AR-8558 um, doing doing his tour, defending that uh, array before he went back up to the Veracruz. Um, I decided that um, the Veracruz should have been involved in the Second Battle of Chintoka, which is a brutal, brutal destruction of the, almost the entire fighting force, uh, a massive defeat for the Federation. But he didn't get there because the Veracruz developed an infestation of interphasic parasites, which delayed their ship by 12 hours. So when they got there, it was destruction and an alert message to get back to Federation space, meaning that he gets to kind of witness that brutality without actually, you know, having his ship destroyed. 
Um, the next thing is to have him involved in the very end of the war. Um, Tavon was diverted to undercover work, smuggling arms to rebel Cardassians on the Anarg, a civilian ship uh, that was loyal to the rebels. Um, this is because his captain described him as, quote, well-suited to work in unstructured leadership environments, meaning um, he likes to make up his own shit. Um, Tavon was in secret communication with the Federation, so it seemed to his fellow smugglers that he had an uncanny knack for finding new sources for weapons and supplies. And I decided that uh, he was on that ship when the battle for, for Cardassia happened. And that the captain of that ship decided to play cautious and pretend to be dead in the water or dead in the, you know, vacuum of space mm-hmm. rather than uh, actually fight. And Tavon didn't like that. He tried to mutiny, but he was captured by the captain's loyalists and imprisoned. And he was returned to the Federation after the battle uh, because he revealed that he was a Starfleet officer. Okay. So that gives you something with. Romulan, something with Cardassians, something with the underworld. And then uh, the next thing he did is he spent a year or so working as like a handler for other undercover work, um, sometimes skirting on the edges of the work that Section 31 was doing, but not part of Section 31 because I wanted to leave that open. Um, and, you know, this means that he has spent some time doing things that even he finds ethically questionable. And so he's going to have to wrestle with, you know, how, whether he's going to continue being the warrior who does unethical things to get the war done or if he's going to try and reassert that ethical position. Um, he returned to the Veracruz in 2377, this time as the second in command, uh, served well on that position, which, you know, puts him right in line to be a captain. And I presume that he went from the Veracruz to the Aegean. Reading, reading your, reading your background, uh, uh, just tickled me. At, uh, I, I, I was like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted you to do, Scott. This is fantastic. I love it. Uh, Good. You know, it, uh, Scott asked earlier in the week because he's a he's not a a a deep space nine aficionado. He's like, can you recommend one or two episodes uh, for me to watch? And so I, rec- I I recommended the two that he actually watched. And uh, he he came away with just a a, a pitch perfect response to those episodes. So good work. Thanks. Um, so uh, talk to me about you know your Tavon seems and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, is is he kind of a, a a buttoned up sort of sort of Vulcan? Is he? I mean, is he? You know, he does he seem proper like you know most Vulcans do. I think he's going to be a little schizophrenic with that uh, because he's reserved in the way that the Vulcan is. At the same time, he keeps trying to find ways to not be so buttoned up. And so he's probably going to be a little weird at times with that kind of thing. Uh, But the natural reserve that a Vulcan has with him trying to challenge his own thinking here and there. So what is his perspective on uh, the appropriate use of a hollow program? Uh, well, in the abstract, for other people, uh, as long as they clean up, to, uh, clean, up after, uh, clean up after themselves, he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> for his own use, he uses the holodeck as kind of intellectual comfort food, right? So he has an, uh, like a suite of programs. He has a program where he has his you know, garden from his childhood home. 
on Vulcan, uh, complete with some of his old teachers and his mentors to talk to. And he has a salon where he debates famous philosophers, uh, which I describe in my write-up as also known as Vulcan porn. <laughs> he has a meditation chamber. Uh, he has a the home of a uh, ancient Vulcan philosopher that he can debate with, and a, the setting of an ancient Romulan play on politics with a large cast of characters to debate with, and go back and forth on that kind of thing. So all these things are about stimulating his brain because that's what he does to relax, essentially. Now he would be delighted to try. You know, to experience Idic by trying other people's holodeck adventures and going, being invited to do, go on those things, but he probably doesn't actually get invited to do anything. Right, because he he seems at times a rather proper Vulcan, right? Right. So who would think right. to invite the Mister Proper Vulcan to, you know, uh, you know, to 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 participate in their Captain Proton Hollow program? Right. Well, and that and and he just isn't is not well set up to have friends. Right, because he's he's already Vulcan, which already makes him have trouble getting along with anyone who isn't Vulcan. Frankly, this this is a terrific segue. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you're not set up to have friends, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're gonna we're I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna set the table, and then we're gonna come back and talk about it in just a second. But okay. you know, uh, the relationship that we have seen in other Star Trek shows is. Ultimately, a very friendly, close relationship between, you know, the captain and their first officer. Right. Might not always start off that way, but it gets there. So we're going to come back to the relationship between uh, the Aegean captain and the Aegean XO. But first, I want, I want to talk a little bit about how long this crew has been together. Uh, as, we, as we stated uh, last time around, this is the final mission or what is anticipated to be the final mission of, of this crew of this ship, the USS Aegean NCC 4508-C. Um, you know, this ship has been in service a long time, would have been retired earlier had it not been for the Dominion War. Um, but, you know, they've had to keep this, the, the ship in service longer than, than the Federation typically would. So uh, that said, we, we have the opportunity... Uh, for your backstory, Scott, how how long has it been since uh, taking the promotion to captain and coming over to the Aegean? And that's up to you. I think I would like to say um, about a year and a half. Okay. So a year and a half, which gives you guys the opportunity to do one of two things. You can be either someone who's been with the captain that entire time, or you can be someone who is brand new. So James, you said earlier that, hey, I'm the guy that, I, I'm the newbie uh, you know, character who uh, gets things explained to him all the time, right? So maybe your character comes in as more a recent addition to the crew, but maybe some of the other characters are less recent. So... Let's let's talk about that relationship with your XO, right? So uh, your XO is, and I'm not remembering just right off the top of my head, but Daffa it Falloon. is, yeah, Daffa Falloon. So James, do you want to be the brand new XO or do you want to be the tenured XO? Uh, I actually meant I'm I'm the new person to the story. I hear you because I, I don't you. know Star Trek, but I don't have a problem with. Uh, I think. I think it would be interesting if uh, Dafa and uh, and uh, Tavar have just met as well, or just been assigned together as well. 
Um, I mean, that leaves the question of what happened to the other XO, but uh, or the former well, XO. But um, and also begs the question, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Captain Tavon had a really close relationship with his previous XO, right? Maybe this was, you know, a a, a peer or a companion from a prior assignment that he brought along with him. And then for whatever reason, we lost that XO. And Scott, I don't what do you think about that. I don't necessarily I've, I'm considering the possibility that Daffa has been bounced around because of his uh, his cavalier attitude towards safety. So he's never done anything that would <laughs> get him. That would he's, get just him the, you know, he's just the right guy for this job. I think. Yeah, he, he never, he's never done anything. He's never done anything to get court-martialed or, or, like, broken down in the ranks. But he, you know, captains are keen to get rid of him sometimes. So, you know, I'm thinking maybe in the five years since the Dominion War, um, you know, he might have had two or three other assignments. And now he's... And I don't know how we want to do the Aegean, if the Aegean is kind of the, you know, a a uh, a ship of last resorters or, or <laughs> screw-ups or whatever. But, you Bad know, news bears it, of Starfleet. Exactly. So, you know, well, maybe or, not- or as was, as was described in the original Aegean podcast, you know, uh, you know, USS short bus. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but so, no, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see this, this crew or this ship that way at all. Okay. Um, I see this and, and you guys should feel free to disagree with me, but you know, I see this as a ship with a great tradition, a ship that, you know, uh, you know, is due for retirement and we're, we're taking the old lady out for one last spin for something that's, you know, really important work. So let me explain where I came up with some, a lot of Davos history. I really like the Federation designs that have the nacelles in the weird places or, or weird numbers of nacelles. So I really like the design of the nebula. But it's also uh, it's also an older ship than the uh, than the what the galaxy class. Um, so the leads would probably have been retired, or probably be up for retirement. You know, just like the Aegean is. Um, so maybe he has been on the leads the whole time and just got re- and it just got retired and you know that crew got scattered mm-hmm. around to the rest of Starfleet. Um, just got moved to the second oldest ship in the fleet. Exactly. <laughs> you seem There's, to do good on old ships. Here's another right. one for you. <laughs> we don't want you to have the good shit. <laughs> that's right. you're, you're Maybe the one. Vulcan will wear him down a little. That's right. <laughs> so I'm I'm good with either one of those. Either he's just been bounced around um, because nobody wants to keep him around, or he just you know just the the natural retirement cycle of the of the ships is is what sent him. To the to the new assignment, but again, that doesn't answer the question you put to Scott about what happened to his former XO. But I'll go ahead and answer that for him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and actually, that that's kind of a question for everybody, right? Because because uh, you know the impacts of that will affect you know if there's something you know dodgy or traumatic uh, that would certainly impact the perception of James's character coming in and possible prejudices there uh as well as you know just sort of initial tone for the game um, well, you know, I, I, I always 
I always vote for the uh, bad ending of an romance. So. <laughs> I have an idea for what that former XO was like. Okay. I have a backstory for them if you want to hear it. Hit it. Hit it. Um, just because it makes the most uh, kind of drama, it would be mm-hmm. na- a Vulcan named Tuska. Uh, yeah, Tuska, who uh, served on the Veracruz with Tavan through uh, the Dominion War, uh, moved over to the Aegean with him, and was a proper Vulcan who kept ship shape ship and really kind of made up for all of Tavon's um, weaknesses. And mm-hmm. the Tavon relied on him heavily and considered him his only kind of real friend in the world. Mm-hmm. His confidant. How's that for heavy laden? There you go. So what happened to him? Where'd he go? James said he had an idea. Oh, yeah. Bad, the ending, the bad ending to an office romance. You know, you guys were lovers and you got rid of it when it broke up. Uh-huh. uh-huh. No, no, okay. I... I uh, <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the obvious choice is some kind of tragic accident that you caused somehow. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a combat situation where he he was killed. I mean, if we I just want to... to his death. If you want to that's, amp up, the that's always the one that I like. Is you know yeah. the captain had to make a hard decision, and mm-hmm. you know there's that there's that episode of the original series where you know Kirk had to make a decision to you know jettison the pod that the guy's in, right? Uh, you know there is the the you know I had to make a, a rough decision to send a man into the engineering chamber to you know take care of the highly radioactive problem. Or uh, send a guy out onto an away mission to his death, you know. So yep. any number of or, those things, and, and or, just you know the. Go ahead, James. Tuska, Tuska could have pulled a Spock and you know went into the chamber by himself, and you know said it's only logical he could sacrifice himself to save the whole crew or save the captain because the captain outranks him and is therefore theoretically more important. Um, and then you know would. W- Maybe even disobeying Tavon's commands. Um, so, natural disaster on a planet. Um, they have to put up a barrier to defend against the lava flow or something like that. Um, it is very complicated and difficult, so they need someone who can really keep a very tight ship for that crew. So, I send him down with a you know, half dozen scientists, and they put up their barrier, and they're doing just fine, but then the barrier starts to fail, to fail. I order them back, and instead of coming back, he refuses and sends his scientists back one at a time until he's the only one left, and he dies. What do y'all think about that? I think I'm that pro. works. I think that yeah, even mm-hmm. makes okay. Tavon somewhat of a, a little bit of a tragic figure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and Tuska, uh, a total hero. This total right. hero is now being replaced by what was your name again? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this isolates Tavon, right? Yeah. So he, he he is less approachable to his crew because you know the 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 person that helped facilitate the day is gone, and of course you know he. While well, let me ask you this: I shouldn't I shouldn't I shouldn't you know paint the emotion on you, mm-hmm. but. Uh, 
is is he struggling with with uh, with guilt? Or um, is he just struggling with mourning the loss? He would have clamped down on the guilt and clamped down on the loss and made, of course, the completely rational decision to not become so emotionally invested in future crew members. He's logicking himself into a <laughs> yeah, maladaptive emotional defense. Gotcha. Excellent. Which is the best so, way to get there? <laughs> the best way to get there, so, you said, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, Neil. Yes. Is uh, is your character, the Doctor, is he a new addition to the crew, or is he has he been with uh, with the Captain since uh, taking command? Uh, I, I think he's probably much newer. This is his first post as a chief medical officer. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, so he he is a recent addition to the crew. Maybe we have him come on at the same time that uh, that uh, uh, Dafa comes on, right? You guys you guys met on the shuttle. You all became fast friends. Okay, um, so I'm going to come back to you then. So I I think by process of elimination, Dan, you've been on the ship a while. That's what I was thinking too. That he he he's fond of the ship he knows her well and so yeah he he can be the guy that people might go to ask about the captain is like he he barely talks to me right (laughs) so so what was uh what was your gorn character's relationship with the former exo probably a you know definitely a respect um, while my character has, you know, it, he, he, and he likes approaching things with humor. The, I think the efficiency of Vulcan points of view can be, uh, something worthy of respect. And, you know, when it comes to getting things fixed and that sort of deal with the engineering, he was always quite happy to have Vulcans in charge because he didn't have to uh, pretty anything up to explain it. In in the days since losing the XO, how has your character coped with that? Probably just kind of focused on projects, be it something with the ship itself or one of his personal projects. Um maybe putting something together in mind of being, you know, this is going to be in honor of the XO. You know, he was a a good man and sacrificed himself for the, uh, for the greater good. If you, uh, if you are the kind of tinker that would like do something weird with the engines and try something experimental, I would have said yes, but the XO would have said no before I had a chance to say yes. So if you've got <laughs> that kind of thing that you would want to try, now is the time to get away mm. with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's particularly the time to try it because Dafa wouldn't even tell the captain. Dafa would find out and not tell the captain about it. Yeah, Dafa would be like, hey, can we put a wormhole on it? <laughs> he, would, he, would, he, would, he would give you some advice on making it faster. So I do, I've got some additional homework that I'm going to assign real quick, and this is for both Neil and James. 
since you guys will be the two new guys coming on board, I want y'all to, to give me, you know, two or three bullet points. And you're, you're going to give them to all of us, but uh, they, they are essentially for, uh, for Scott. And these bullet points will be, you know, someone t- took a quick reading of your of your uh, performance jacket, you know, of your of your you know uh, your 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 permanent HR record in Starfleet. What are the things that stand out? What are the good things? You know, maybe it's you know two or three good things and and one thing that might be of concern. Just real quick bullet points for the for uh, Scott to look at and review because you know he's got to onboard you, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and so that, that will be one of our opening scenes, uh, in our first or second episode is, 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 uh, you know, him having that, that onboarding conversation. So that, that is your homework, uh, between now and next time. Um, so, um, Tavon and Sobke, Tell me about the relationship you guys had prior to uh, the death of the former XO and what it's turned into now. And how much time has lasted? We, we, know, we know there's been enough time for them to re- reassign a new XO. Uh, what do you think? A month? Two months? Three? Probably two months. Okay. Yeah, so it's been two months, two months. And, and, you know, you guys are – you know, have had to to stop and you know pick up your 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 fresh supply of uh, of officers as you're getting ready to move out onto the to the new trip. So you've had two months to kind of relate to each other without the buffer of the XO there, right? So what does that relationship look like? And Sobke, in the absence of a uh, of an XO, you've been functioning as XO, right? You know, you're the next most senior ranking officer. Oh, okay, yeah that's the case then uh yeah then we definitely would have had lots of time for interaction and um i think i would be amused by Sogi's like you know scaring the humans um and that kind of thing but at the same time i would be keeping an eye on that to make sure that that his fun doesn't affect morale or create problems or something that gets reported back to home base yeah that's the first that's never the intention it's Mm -hmm. you know it's never mean-spirited in any way it's just that yeah he knows that it's just going to be a natural thing for most other humanoids to feel a little awkward and i understand but but humans are very sensitive (laughs) they're squishy too yes well they you know they've got that, that that juicy chewy center so um, <laughs> uh, anything else about the the relationship that's formed over the last two months between the two of y'all? I think that I might be. Oh, I want to go human, totally human, and say I would be resentful of him not being like my XO. But my logical mm. self would have stepped in, and there would be a whole line of logic to defend myself from my own thoughts on that direction. So maybe I have an initial kind of, you know, um, response of, what's his name again? Tuska. But, you know, Tuska got shit done. Tuska was organized. Tuska was logical. Tuska was thorough. Okay, I just got to deal with this. This is a new guy. He's not bad. He's done fine. 
that kind of thing. And so I would, I think I would have gone through a few rounds of, of catching myself comparing uh, irrationally to another human, another humanoid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my character would definitely, this isn't really the direction he normally was intending to go, but he'd definitely do his best to step up to the role and uh, to get the job done as, as much as, as well as he possibly could, you know, because he, he likes the crew and he's that he's a professional. And I'm, I'm holding him uh, at arm's distance. So we couldn't have much more of a warm relationship than that at this point. Mm. Though I will say Excellent. one thing, uh, one little, like little trivia tidbit. My character also likes that old technology. So, oh. you know, those big clunky buttons are kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so there may be that, that we can have a, when we need a friendly-ish conversation to to cut the tension, that may be what it, mm-hmm. it turns out to be. Oh, let me see that. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I made some progress on that, uh, that you know, hundred year old phaser rifle I picked up parts mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. How'd you find a cell for that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so you gotta know a guy. <laughs> you gotta know a guy who knows a guy who knows a Ferengi. I know a guy who knows a guy too. <laughs> we can work that out. <laughs> <laughs> well you could just use the replicator. <laughs> that is no, not, no, no. That is not real. Original parts, original, original parts, parts only. <laughs> They're purists. You can only replicate items that were replicated to begin with. Uh-huh. <laughs> Except for like certain things, I might like keep the outer shell. But well, you know, okay, this this tricorder looks cool, but it's actually completely useless. Let's mm-hmm. fit the current insides. <laughs> that works. Can we make those stand? So, so Neil and James, uh, you guys have uh, spent some time on a uh, you know on a on a ship getting you to uh, uh, Aegean. You guys know you're you're joining the same you know uh, uh, assignment together. So, have you guys had the opportunity to strike up a friendship? Are y'all friendly? Was it something else? You know, maybe some uh, some tension between the two of you. What was what does that look like on the way to uh, starting your your assignment on Gian? Well, uh, from Ballard's standpoint, I don't think he would feel threatened or standoffish. He's pretty affable. Uh, you know, he definitely yeah. You know, since they're going to be serving together, and yeah, you know, most likely. <laughs> taking orders from him, he's not going to try to ruffle any feathers, especially with it being his first assignment as a chief medical officer. James, what do you think about that? I think Dapua would be a little put off by uh, Adrian's age because he would expect him to be a higher ranking officer until he finds out the. I mean, he's chief medical officer, but I guess he would, he would be a little conf, uh, confused about the second career aspect, but I think a lot of it's also going to depend on whether or not Adrian's uh, monkeying around with his emergency medical hologram while we're on the way there. <laughs> because whatever, whatever, you know, I, my, my core idea for DAFA is, you know, if, if it's an interesting experience, experiment and it's going to come out 
you know, would something uh, useful, he's all for it in, in almost any field. So, you know, and, and if, it's, <laughs> if it's edgy uh, as well, um, he would be, you know, very interested in it. But he, would, he wouldn't be rude no matter what because he's also not the kind of commander or the commanding officer who's um, a strict disciplinarian. He doesn't want to lead through, not fear, I guess, because that doesn't that doesn't seem to happen that much in the Federation. But you know, he's not an an iron fisted, you know, XO. He's more of a, you know, we all we we all had to work together to get things done. So he would try to foster that relationship um, to a certain degree. You know, he's not gonna try to be buddies with everybody, but he he would he would definitely put in the effort to get to know. Dr. Ballard and, you know, try to, try to get, try to reassure him that, uh, you know, that he's no ogre or anything. Uh, and, and there yeah. may also, there may also be that thing where, you know, two people start the you know, a new job on the same day. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. May have that sort of, you know, like yeah, you, new guy. Do you fill out your W four yet? Because I don't know what to put in in, uh, in uh, box six. <laughs> Why are you claiming all that gold pressed latinum? You don't have to claim <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, but it, I I think you know, I I don't know how much of Ballard's tinkering with the image is overall useful or just a way he spends his time. <laughs> Well, this GM it, finds it very useful. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with the MH? Why is it? Why are his eyes fluctuating red from one side to the other, back and forth? And back and forth. <laughs> By your command, <laughs> exactly. Hey, did, who, where'd this where'd this metal skeleton come from in this closet over here? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, other comments, guys. Other other things that you guys want to ping off of each other in terms of uh, you know character relationships. You know, we we, we kind of have a situation where you know we've got two characters that that have some background with one another, and then uh, uh, no 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 background with the other two, and then two that have only recently just met, and then everybody else is fresh. So, any other initial thoughts about that? Yeah, um, I think that. Though Dafa Falun is new, uh, there are definitely building blocks that we can leverage to make that better relationship between the captain and the XO because, you know, agnosticism in the context of a religious culture is pretty, you know, independent-minded, which my guy appreciates. And we have brutal war experience, frankly, and we have uh, technology. Those are all things that we could bond over going forward. Well, plus there's the hobo y'all are going to murder, right? So, I mean, that's always a, w- a good way to. What was Neil's character's guys. name again? <laughs> <laughs> why is he? Why is he wearing a TOS red shirt? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no, that, the thing you have to be scared about, Neil, is when you wake up wearing it. <laughs> Come here, Doctor Redshirt. I think what's I think what's going to really mess you up is that uh, that the way we're going to do it is we're going to teleport you down to a planet with a Gorn, and it's going to be too late for you to realize it's not Sabki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I thought you were the chief engineer. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> now, I think that, you know, like Scott said, we have, a, we have that combined uh, brutal combat from the Dominion War. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the leads in the... Um, the um, what what was that? What was your ship, Scott? I forget already. Veracruz. Uh, the Veracruz. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I was going to say Alta Vista for some reason. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the leads in the Veracruz <laughs> in the Veracruz were in the same battle at least once or twice. You know, in one of those large large fleet battles where you know sure. they could they could even bond over that, um, or it could be in his uh, it could be in Dafa's you know in Dafa's dossier. That in the battles he was in, and that could catch uh, Eno's eye. Mm-hmm. What was the last thing you said? Sorry. It could be in his dossier, and that catches the captain's eye that oh, they yeah. were that they were in the same battle, and you Got know it. that he realizes he was in the leads, and they were in the, they were at the same battle. Right. Absolutely. And Dafa saved his life. <laughs> <laughs> or hey, you didn't you you didn't stay on my flank. What the hell? You're supposed to be my wingman. Yeah, I remember that ship. <laughs> <laughs> it, it cuts both ways, James. Yeah. Well, no. Since you're running the game, it's only going to cut one way, Aaron. Right. <laughs> Deep, but only one direction. <laughs> so, uh, Neil, Dan, any any additional comments? Mm, no, no I, I think we got a nice start for some cool interactions. So uh, for we're, we're going to have one more sandboxing episode in which uh, uh, Neil and James will report on their homework as well as Dan. And uh, mm-hmm. we will spend some time talking about the types of scenarios that we want to get into, uh, the types of aliens, types of worlds, those kinds of things. And then after that, we'll move into our very first episode of the game itself excellent so awesome so uh one more sandbox setting and and, uh we will uh see y'all then well hey good stuff guys always always fun planning your deaths (laughs) all the time (laughs) i I, I endeavor to die well (laughs) today is a good day to die just like yesterday was (laughs) star trek aegean is a production of iomgeek.com Theme music provided courtesy of some dead guy. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. No Klingon warriors underwent the choha in the production of this podcast. Zolan Trust.